Welcome to the New Point Community Church Podcast. This message is part of our series, Life is Complicated, We Can Help. We want to thank you for joining us, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ. Hey, New Point, I want to give a shout out to all of our physical locations and anyone watching and joining us online. And by the way, I just want you to know that I love you. You guys are incredible, and I'm so thankful to be a part of the New Point family. And I just want you to know that I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for your persevering spirit and your faithfulness and your generosity. You know, you are making a world of difference. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now last week we kicked off a series called Fruit Full. And just like an apple tree is known by its fruit, so are you and I as people. You know, what we produce in our life speaks of who we are and what we are about. And if you are a Christ follower today, this is no different, okay? What you produce in your life really sends a message to everyone around you. You see, it's very easy for us to be able to say that we're something, but not hold true to the attributes that relate to that being. And what happens is it sends unbelievable mixed messages, And what we have to understand is proximity is not an identifier of what you are or who you are. And what I mean by that is this, just because you go to church or just because maybe you carry one of these, yeah, the Bible, or maybe just because you take notes, doesn't make you a follower of Jesus Christ any more than you going to a barn would make you a cow. You see, what is produced from your life is the identifier of who you are. And that's so, so, so important. And the Apostle Paul gives us an example of the attributes that should be following you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and if his spirit is living in you. He speaks about it to the church at Galatia when he writes these words. He says, but the Holy Spirit, you see, when you trust Jesus Christ as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, he comes to dwell in you through his spirit. And so he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? And he says, there is no law against these things. Basically, that when the fruit of the Spirit is being produced in your life and my life, we don't need anything else. We don't need anything else. We don't need any laws. Wouldn't that be refreshing? And what he is saying is this, that a believer's life should be producing fruit, and there are no exceptions. You see, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and if this is not being produced in you, then you need to examine yourself to see if you really know Jesus Christ. Because if you know Jesus Christ, these are going to become more and more evident in your life. No exceptions. Because you can't say that you are something without producing the fruit to back it up. And so Paul uses this word fruit intentionally. You might say, why? Because fruit has to be grown. It can't be created. 
It's developed. It's not made. It's cultivated in one's life. And there's a reason why Paul starts off with love because all of these other attributes flow from love. Notice it doesn't say the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruits, plural. No, fruit. They all flow out of love. And yet love is probably the most misunderstood word in our vocabulary, okay? The problem is we use it to describe so many things, right? And it gets watered down and we overuse it. We overemphasize it. We might say like this, hey, I love my car. I love ice cream. I love cheeseburgers, okay? And I also love my wife. You see, what happens is we use this word love in so many different ways that it literally has lost its meaning. And so what happens is in giving or receiving love, it's hard for us to get our head wrapped around it because we don't even understand the true meaning of love. And so what I wanna do is I wanna clear that up for you and me because I, I promise you, there's so many misconceptions about love out there because here's one, most people think that love is a feeling. We think that it's some sentimental knot in our stomach or a quiver in our liver or an ocean of emotion. But true love may produce some feelings but I'm telling you this, my friends, it's more than just feelings. And it's unfortunate that we don't fully understand and grasp what love is because of our English language. Because what happens is the Greek would say to you and me that there's six different types of love, six different types of love. And so what happens is we have to understand that. We have to grasp that just for you to say love, it may mean multiple different things. And so whether we're talking about loving a car or loving a spouse or loving a son or loving a daughter, what happens is we have to come back and say, what is the true meaning of love? And the Greek word that Paul uses here is called agape love agape love, and this would be reserved for the most valuable type of love. It would be used to describe the most selfless type of love. And then there's the word phila, which Philadelphia, which is what, brotherly love. That's the kind of love that, you know, you kind of scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. It's kind of 50-50 commitment. But agape love, on the other hand, is 100% love towards that other person no strings attached. I just love you, period. That's why Jesus told the disciples this incredible, unbelievable truth. And it brought clarity to everything when he says this. So I give you now a new command. I'm going to boil it down to what life really means and what it's all about. He says, I'm going to give you a new command. I know that you have heard and you have read about the 670 some odd commands, but I'm gonna give you one that wraps all of them up. And he says this, so now I give you a new command, love each other just as much as I have loved you. Wow. Not as your dad loved you or your mom loved you, but as I have loved you. And he's saying this to the disciples. And what we need to understand is this is before the cross. 
So he's telling Peter, Peter, you have blown it so many times and I have been patient with you and I love you. He said it to Philip who said, is there anything good that could come out of Nazareth? You talk down to me, and yet, guess what? I still love you. This is the kind of love that he's talking about. And he goes on to say this, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, check this out, everyone, your wife, your husband, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your coworkers, everyone will know that you are my true what? Followers. Wow. Y'all Okay. See, it doesn't make sense for you and I to say the hardest people for us to influence for Jesus is our family. What that says of you and me when we say that is we just don't love well. We don't love well. And I wanna help you with that because I wanna help you understand what agape love really looks like because it's so, so, so important if you're a follower of Christ. So let me give you some help here, okay? What is love? Love is a command. What did Jesus say, okay? He said this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus didn't give a suggestion. He didn't say, hey, you might wanna think about this. No, he gives a command. And this means that you and I should make it our mission to understand the aspect of what it truly means to love somebody. It should be the utmost important thing in your life and in my life. So let me ask you a question. How much time do you spend to make the effort to understand love, true love? You see, it's very easy for you and I to think it's a feeling, and it's not. It's a command, but it's more than that. Guess what? It's a choice. It's a choice. You and I get to choose whether we love someone or not. You do. I do. Paul, the same author, writes this, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. Listen to me. All of your relationships that are strained right now go back to one word, love. See, Jesus loved well. Jesus loved incredibly well. And love is something that we get to choose to do. And he commands us to do that. And if we're commanded to do that, then guess what? It's something that is expected of you and me and of every Christ follower. And so we can command a choice. And love is a choice. Why? Because you control who you love. Because love's not a feeling. Let's look at this third one. Love is an action, okay? It's something that we do. It's an action. It's not a feeling, It's not a feeling. You know, I I remember when I used to do premarital counseling, I'd ask somebody, you know, why do you want to marry them? Because they love me, because they make me feel important, because, and they always pull it back to a feeling. And I tried to tell them, love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. It's a command. It's an action. You see, John writes this. He says, let us not love with words or speech, but with what? Action and in truth. And so love is a command, it's a choice, it's an action. And then finally, love is a commitment. It's a commitment. You see, love is difficult because sometimes it doesn't feel good to love that person. And so what happens is there'll be moments in your life, there's moments definitely in my life, when when what happens is I have to have some grit to be able to love some people in my life. Because what happens is there'll be moments in your life, and I'm just telling you 
the truth from my own life. There are moments in my life of where I have to do the opposite of what I feel. I can't rely on my feelings because I don't want my feelings to motivate me. Feelings are great servants, but they're a horrible master. I want to go back to that premarital counseling session, okay? You know, people say, well, I just couldn't help myself. I just fell in love. They just sweeped me off my feet. You don't fall in love. You choose to love. You don't fall out of love. You choose not to love. And and that's what we have to understand. And that's why Jesus commands you and I to love one another. And his words indicate that you and I have control over that. You and I have control over whom we choose to love and whom we choose not to love. And he teaches us to love one another. He teaches us to love the unlovable people in our life. And matter of fact, what you need to realize is this, okay? There's a whole lot of people in your life that you don't like, but you and I are called to love them anyways. And there's people that you don't like. You don't like the way they dress. You don't like the way they smell. You don't like the way they talk. You don't like the way that they vote. There's a whole bunch of things about them, but you know what? Listen, Jesus said, you're to love them the same way that I have loved you. And by this, everyone will know, everyone will know that you are my followers. And so how do we get there? How do we get there? How do we love with this another kind of love, agape love, selfless love? Well, Paul, the one who describes it, prays for the church in Ephesus that they would be able to experience it. And here's what he writes. He says, I pray that Christ will become more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust him, the Holy Spirit. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous Love, wow. And he says, may you be able to feel and understand as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is. And check this out, and to experience this love for your very self. Wow. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for myself. You see, it's important to know how to be able to love other people. What's the most effective way to love other people? I want to help us with that today. And Paul would say the first way is this. You have to receive God's love. You have to experience God's love. You have to feel God's love. You have to understand God's love. You see, before you and I can love other people, we have to feel and understand the love of God. But it's one thing to know that God loves you. It's another thing to experience and to feel that God loves you. You know, I like to ask people when I'm talking with them sometimes, hey, did your parents love you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they, they loved me. I mean, I had great parents. And then I dropped this line on them. Did you feel loved by your parents? Big difference. See, it's one thing to say somebody loves you. It's another thing to say that you feel loved by them. Hey, hey, fellas, don't tell me that you love your wife. Here's what I want to know. Does she feel loved by you? You see, what, what, what happens is when we don't feel loved by people, then we're always wondering whether if we mess up or not, if they will still love us. And that happens with parents. 
Yeah, I know my parents love me, but I'm afraid that if I did this or if I got this wrong or if I didn't succeed in this field, I'm not for sure if they would respond to me in the same way. And so we have a relationship with God, and so it is with him. And what we have to do is we have to receive God's love. We have to experience it and understand it. Listen to me, because God's love for you and me does not depend on our behavior. See, that's where we get messed up, right? When we do that which is wrong, we feel that God doesn't love us because when we do things wrong in our relationships here on planet Earth, people struggle with us. And we have that same thought with God. But I'm telling you, you have to receive God's love. You have to experience it in the depth of your being. The second thing is this. You need to forgive in love. Forgive in love. No matter what stage of life you find yourself, listen, you will never outgrow the need to forgive other people. It will always be something that you have to do. You'll have to do it. That's what love is all about. It's forgiving other people. You have to forgive in love. Look at what Colossians 3.13 says. Forgive whatever grievances or wrongs you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. How, how has he forgiven you? Completely and consistently. And so it's impossible, listen to me, it's impossible for you to love anyone fully and at the same time resent someone else. You see, listen, you cannot love your spouse fully and have resentment towards your parents. You cannot fully love your kids and have resentment towards your ex. You just can't do it. You cannot have a complete, full love when your heart is divided. You see, when you have resentment in your heart towards somebody because you haven't forgiven them, it's not fair to the people in your life because they're not getting your full love. And so you forgive people, not for their sake, but for your sake, so that you can love people in your life fully. Otherwise, your heart is divided and no one is getting your full love. And so you receive God's love and his forgiveness and then you forgive in love and then third, you think in love. You think in love. You say, Dwight, what do you mean? I'm talking about thinking loving thoughts. Thinking loving thoughts. And so let me ask you a question. Is your constant focus on this question, what does love require of me? Or do you spend the majority of your time thinking what other people owe you? You see, you have to think in love. Paul says it this way. He says, don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and in what they are doing. Your attitude should be the kind that was shown to us by Jesus Christ. What does it mean to have loving thoughts? What does it mean to think in love. It means to focus on other people's needs, their hurts, their problems, their desires, their goals, not just your own. You see, the reason why this is so important, listen to me, is because hurt people hurt people. If someone is hurting you, it's because they themselves are hurting. And what happens is we need to be able to have the kind of love, Jesus's love, that looks beyond their faults and sees their need so that we can love with the same kind of love that he loves us with. You see, have, have, have you discovered this? I know that I have. Have you discovered that the most obnoxious people 
and the least lovable people are the people who need love the most? They need love the most. The people that we would rather ignore are the very ones that desperately need massive doses of love. You see, everyone needs love. I need love, you need love. We're all wired for love. And if a person can't get love, you know what they'll do? They will strive for attention. And if they can't get positive attention, they will work at attracting negative attention. And what is happening is subconsciously they're saying, would you notice me? Would you pay attention to me? Would you love me? Because they say, I'm gonna get noticed one way or another. And so we need to think in love. And then finally, we need to act in love. Act in love. You need to act lovingly. And you might say, Dwight, are you telling me that I should love somebody that I don't even like? Yep. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you're saying, well, wouldn't that be hypocritical? Not if you're loving by faith. When you love by faith, you're acting yourself into loving that person. You see, Galatians 5, 6 says it this way. The only thing that counts is faith. Faith, believing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he has promised to do, expressing itself through love. This is so, listen, this is so important. You see, it's easier to act my way into a feeling than to feel my way into an action. And if we begin to act lovingly, guess what will happen? Soon we will feel that love. You know, I tell guys, hey, you know what? If, if, if you're having a hard time with your wife, go home and passionately kiss her. Guess what happens? You'll start to have some feelings, I promise you, okay? It'll just happen. And so what happens is it's much better for you and I to act our way into feeling than to wait around until we feel like it, to act in it. By, 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 by the way, ready for this? It determines your level of maturity. Immature, listen to me, immature, this is why we struggle in our marriages. Immature people wait until they feel like doing something. Mature people do what is right regardless of how they feel. Y'all okay? So let me ask you a question. How mature are you? I'm not asking you your age. You can be 60 and be immature because you're feeling-based. You can be 20 and be very mature because you do what is right in spite of how you feel. And so how does this all play out? Well, Paul gives us just a, a ribbon on everything that we've been talking about when he says this. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, everybody thinks I'm spiritual because I've got a word from God. That's what he's saying. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I'm very generous and everybody knows that I'm generous, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, I sacrifice, but have not love, I gain nothing. Wow. Listen to me, mom. Listen to me, dad. 
Listen to me, husband. Listen to me, wife. Listen to me, leader. Listen to me, friend. Without love, nothing I say will matter. Without love, nothing I know will matter. Without love, nothing I believe will matter. Listen, mom and dad, your kids could care less what you believe unless they know that you love them and they feel that love. Without love, nothing that I give will matter. Hey, I gave this to the church and I gave this to this organization. It doesn't matter if you can't love other people. Nothing that you accomplish will matter without love. You see, listen, without love, nothing you say, nothing you do, nothing you strive to be will really matter. And Paul is saying, it's not just a matter of eternal consequences. It's a matter of here and now, your relationships. And nothing is more important than your relationships. So let me ask you about your relationships. Do you feel like no one listens to you? Do you feel like you're doing something that doesn't matter and nobody's paying attention? Nobody's noticing? Could it be that everything that you're saying and everything that you're doing is being done without love? And so you're just a noisy person, a clinging symbol. You see, Paul tells us that love is patient and love is kind and love is forgiving and love is long-suffering. He gives 15 action words, and I would encourage you to read it. It's in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. You see, listen, love is not simply the first fruit that is mentioned. All of these others that we're looking at flow out of the root of love because love is patient. Love is kind. Love is joyful. Love is the basis of all the positive actions in my life and in your life. And so your relationship with God is huge because here's what I want you to know, and I want you to know I love you, okay? Your main problem is not relational, it's not emotional, it's spiritual. Because unless you receive and experience God's love, you won't be able to love the people in your life with the kind of love that they need and that they want. You see, when you're not right with God, you're not gonna be right with the people in your life. Your vertical relationship with God determines your horizontal relationship with other people. And the starting point is for you to make sure that you are receiving God's love and experiencing his love and that you're in right relationship with him so that you will be able to love other people. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that you can be filled with his love. He will give you new reservoirs that, that will flow out of you a love of another kind. And so you need God's love in your life. You need to commit your life to Jesus Christ, the greatest lover of all, and allow him to love you in this way so that now you in return can love other people. So I close with this thought. What does love require of me? 
You know what it required of our God, our heavenly Father? It required his son. Do you know what it required of his son, Jesus? His life. You see, everything else in this book is a commentary or an example of God's love to us and how we are to love one another. Everything is just a commentary or an example to show how we are to love one another so that we can demonstrate that we are true followers of Christ. Can you imagine what would happen in Eastern Ohio and literally around the world? What would happen in our families if we would love the way in which Jesus has loved us? Can you imagine what would happen in our world if those of us who claim to be Christ followers would love other people, red, yellow, black, white, with the same kind of love that Jesus loved us, Democrat, Republican, independent, doesn't matter. You see, the hallmark of the early Christ followers was love, was love. Imagine, imagine with me that though the world might be critical of what you and I believe, they would be envious of how we relate to one another and how we treat one another. They would be, they would be envious of our relationships and our marriages and our families and our friendships. And they would be amazed at how we love them though we don't believe the same or act the same or speak the same or vote the same. You see, that's why Christianity survived and not only survived, but thrived for the first 300 years. And let me tell you, I believe, I believe, I believe it can happen again. And so let me repeat Jesus a new command I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And people will know that you are my followers. Would you pray with me? God, today, man, what the world needs now is love. But Jesus is love. And when a man or a woman experiences your love, Jesus, it transforms us. It changes us. And things begin to produce in our life that otherwise would not be there. And I pray for those who are hearing my voice right now who have not received or experienced your love, that they would today, that they would just say, Jesus, as much as I know how and understand, I invite your love and you into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit that will produce this fruit called love. And maybe for others of us, we need to examine ourselves. 
and say, you know what? An apple tree is known by its apples. And a Christ follower is known by the fruit. Maybe today you need to say, God, you know what? I surrender to you. And I'm going to choose to obey your command and be committed to loving other people the way in which you have loved me. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God's moving through this series, visit newpoint.org forward slash contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media, download our app, subscribe to our weekly podcasts through the App Store or Google Play, or catch us on Roku or Apple TV. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in